0: Uh, It's the second anniversary of Hope Whangarei, the three Presbyterian parishes in Whangarei coming together to become one, a new step in the history and story of our Christian witness in this city, that uh, witness which dates back even uh, before 1859 when the first church building was erected. A history of service and witness, of church growth and church planting, of coming together in different forms over that time. Uh, a story of great joy and boom, of sorrow and struggle, of ebb and flow, of trusting and following Christ. A story of people, those who have gone before who are now part of that great cloud of witnesses, which is mentioned in Hebrews 12. And the story of all of us who are here today. And we've come together to form Hope Whangarei with a vision of being a flourishing Christian community. And we've come together with a sense of our mission to connect people to God and one another a vision, I believe, that reflects Jesus' summation of the law in those two great commandments. To love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Connecting people to God and to one another. And we've come together uh, with... um, with three goals as to how we can become this flourishing Christian community, that we grow as an intergenerational church where people of all ages come together to worship, witness, learn and work, to support and equip each other, that uh, we all grow into maturity in Christ and are all active in the mission of the church which is expressed in our third goal, which is that uh, we have been uh, called to be active in our wider community. And our name, Hope fongare in actual fact, captures that missional aspiration. It says that we are here for the city that God has called us to be his people in and to witness to. Hope Whangarei. And the second anniversary marks a significant step in our journey together because we're commissioning a new council today. Uh, We've prayed to thank the interim council who have uh, been worked at bringing us together, uh, a task which they've done well, one that wasn't without teasing problems and has happened with the backdrop of uh, the COVID pandemic. And can... People who served on the interim council, just stand up now. That would be great. Great. And let's give them a round of applause. (laughs) Yeah, um, stand up, David. Stand up, David. Thank you very much for your service and the way in which you've led us uh, to come together as Hope Whangarei. The new council, of course, is charged with the voyage, the ongoing voyage. Almost sound a bit Star Trek, don't I there? <laughs> the ongoing voyage of moving us forward to seeing our vision and mission become fulfilled more and more. And Today I want to speak about how we're going to achieve our mission. The interim council over the past year has been looking at a mission plan for us. They have produced a mission plan that looks at where we want to be in five years' time, in 2026. And we've put together a missional process of how we are going to get there. And I want to spend time specifically looking at the process, uh, but first it's important that we look at the two passages that we had read to us today and what they tell us about mission. The burning bush in Exodus 3, of course, is very important to us Presbyterians because it's our church's logo. In this passage, we see something of God's love for His people, God's mission and purpose in the world. Mission starts with God and who God is. A God whose self-revelation in this passage in Exodus is to tell us His name. I am. Or in the Hebrew, Yahweh. And I was struck about the many I am statements that God makes in this passage and what they tell us about God and his care for us and his mission. Yahweh is the God of relationship with humanity. I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, an intergenerational God, the one who is faithful to God's promises. Yahweh is the God who hears, who hears the cry of his people. He is the God who sees, sees the oppression and suffering of his people under under the slave drivers, who is concerned for them. The God who sees and hears and cares, who responds, and did you hear those words? Responds by coming down to rescue. God's response is always to come down and to draw near. Then we see Yahweh is the God who sends. In this case, he sends Moses back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let my people go and lead them into a place that he has promised for them. And then in verse 14, as Moses stutters and stumbles and looks for excuses why Yahweh has got the wrong guy, says, I will be with you. Profound. And then later still, it is Yahweh who says, I will stretch out my hand. I will do wonders amongst the Egyptians. I will make you favorable to them. You'll plunder them. You know, mission is God's work of salvation, of establishing His rule and reign amongst people and he calls and sends us to be the ones he will work through. In the passage in Matthew we see the same pattern. In Jesus God has come down, has drawn close to rescue and save and Jesus hears and sees the plight of his people. As he goes around doing what he's been sent to do He sees the crowds who are wandering around like sheep without a shepherd, just like these ones in Te Awamutu who uh, were sheep without a shepherd, (laughs) out in the streets. And it says, Jesus is moved to compassion. He sees what's going on. He hears what's going on and is moved to compassion. And then Jesus gathers his followers and calls them to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers. And then do you notice that those who pray, who are asked to pray, then Jesus in actual fact gathers them together and sends out those 12 disciples to proclaim God's kingdom. And we see that he gives them authority to heal and forgive and set free and raise to life. Because you see, Jesus is working through them. And this passage is like the prototype of the church. And Matthew's gospel finishes with Jesus sending out those same people and all who will follow on with the same assurance as Yahweh gave Moses. I am with you to the end of the age. God meets with us. God saves us and brings us into His kingdom and sends us out to be with him in God's mission in the world. A mission of salvation, of transformation, of loving service, of thy kingdom come. Well, how does this sort of thing sort of apply to us here today? Uh, And that's where our mission process and plan come in. And in that pamphlet I've given you, the mission uh, processes on the back there and uh, I'm going to walk us through it. We'll, so, The first thing is that you'll notice is it's actually based on a koru design. The unfurling new frong of a fern. A symbol that is synonymous with New Zealand and central and significant in Maori art. You will see it in moko, In painted panels in Faranui, that's meeting houses. In carvings at marae and on waka. Uh, We used it initially because it has the sense of moving outwards, us moving out into the community, but also moving inwards, connecting people to God and one another. In Māori art, it symbolises creation and new life, spiritual growth with its unfurling movement but also a return to the center and the origin or source as you follow the coil in. So it really speaks of our mission and vision. And at the center of our koru is Christ, our source, the one who connects us to God and one another, the author and perfecter of our faith, who calls us to follow him and he will make us fishers of men who commissioned us to go and make disciples baptizing and teaching them all I have commanded all that they have all that he has commanded us the one who is with us and empowers us by the holy spirit to be his people and live out the kingdom of god as a church we connect with Christ through worship we are a worshiping community Through prayer, as we speak and listen to God. Through the Word, as God speaks to us through His Word. And through fellowship, living our common life together. Loving one another as Christ has loved us. And then we have to ask the question, well, how do we go about then connecting with those outside of the church? Uh, Out of the Thy Kingdom Come Uh, prayer movement that we've been part of over the last two years what happened in England was there were a lot of churches who said well look you've called us together to to pray for uh, non-Christians to come to Christ now tell us how we as congregations can go about making that happen and one of the things that they uh, they came up with from thy kingdom come was to present them with this sort of cycle of uh, congregational evangelism of making contact with people, nurturing relationships, inviting people to make commitments, giving people opportunity to come to Christ, and then being involved in them growing. And that is a process that we've uh, put into our missional process. And uh, as we've done that, we've sort of also really asked the question, well, how do we make contact? How do we nurture relationships? How do we call people to commitment and help people grow? Let's start with the process of growth for hope. Uh, it's that we want to see people move from simply coming and attending worship together to being in connect groups, where they can learn together, they can learn to minister to each other, start using their gifts, and, uh, and grow in discipleship, and then move on to avenues of service and mission together. Jesus and his disciples would gather for worship at the synagogues as they traveled around, uh, and, but he had a small group of followers who he taught and trained and he invested time into. and it's these people that as they grow, that he sent out on short-term mission and finally sent out as his apostles and witnesses. And that's the process of growth we want to see happen with people. How do we make contact with those outside? Well, we often think that mission starts with us going and proclaiming the gospel you know, standing on the street corner. But mission actually starts by going and listening, going and seeing. We saw that in our Bible readings. Yahweh saw and heard the cry of His people. Jesus was going about doing the things that He'd been called to do, and He heard the community and, uh, and, uh, and uh, what was happening, that they were like sheep without a shepherd, he could talk about Paul in Athens before he gets up and starts talking to the people there about, about the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, had gone out and seen that, that the Athenians were a religious people. And so he was able to tap into that. And he even used some of their own poetry. You know, there's a real sense of going and listening and seeing. And then when we respond to what we, we hear and we listen, we see... And, you know, listening is not a passive exercise. Very often it's about asking the right questions. Asking the right questions. Uh, I had a conversation with Tim and Sandy Robinson uh, just after the COVID lockdown, and I asked uh, Tim, well, how can the church, how can our church be of service to the business community and all the things that you guys are going through? Uh, No, we can't provide you with monetary help. (laughs) And he replied, you know, I actually think people need a listening ear. Just someone who will listen as they talk about what's going on in their life. Because of COVID, there's a real sense of of wanting to connect and, and be community. And out of that has sprung our central city chaplaincy. You know, we've responded to what we've heard and we've sent someone out to listen and also to care and hopefully, even be able to provide a little prayer. And Elaine is opening doors for relationships to develop um, with multicultural fong array, uh, but uh, and, and other areas as well. But you know, it's the same with us all in our friendships and our neighborhoods. God calls us to listen, and you know, as we listen and see the Holy Spirit will speak to us about ways in which we are able to connect with the good news of Jesus Christ. How do we nurture those relationships? Well, we care and we build genuine friendships, genuine service, genuine love. Uh, We do that with many families in our community through programs like Icons and Girls Brigade, mainly music. We do that through our Connect Groups we do it by praying for people. You know, we've been asking people to pray for five non-Christians to come to Christ. And it's our nurturing our relationships with those people. One of the five people that I've been praying for, Andrew, has started coming back to church, not here in Auckland. And his his faith has come alive. And uh, one time he said, Howard, I had a dream about you last night. And I thought, please, this is just my terrible sense of humor. I said, gee, I hope it wasn't a homoerotic one. <laughs> he said, no, no, I, I, I um, dreamed that you were praying for me. And I said, well, I am. And you know what? I wouldn't be a very good Christian friend if I wasn't. Now, Andrew's been through some really hard times. And I've kind of been a little bit like a father figure to him. And, but in the midst of all those hard times... He has come to Christ. And that's exciting. Mainly music is another example of caring for young mums and their children. When I started at St. Peter's, I first came across mainly music. And I started to see what they were doing there. And at exactly the same time, I read an article in the Herald which talked about the number one problem amongst young mothers was that sense of feeling isolated and cut off. And I realised and saw that mainly music was providing a real sense of community and connection for them, which I, I saw develop. And you know, out of that, people, as things happened in their lives, people from our mainly music were there and Christ was able to speak into their lives. Um, we've done a couple of morning tea shouts and I really appreciate the way and uh, people in the community really appreciate the way in which You guys have provided some wonderful food for those uh, um, morning tea shouts as part of our Central City Chaplaincy. We've just called it, well, we're just being neighbourly. You know? And it is leading to developing relationships and opening doors to possibility for further relationships and further mission. We did one for the court a couple of weeks ago and and they invited Elaine and I over uh, on Friday two days ago, uh, for the opening of the court's Matariki celebrations. They said to me, we're just being neighbourly. And it was great. We're looking at how we can care for people who come to the courts and who work there. And I know that's been something that's been on the heart of many people here for for decades. And this is just a, a new expression of that. Then we move on to inviting people to make commitments to Christ, giving people the opportunity to do that. And we do that by teaching what the scriptures say and proclaiming what the Christian faith is and who God is. We call people to make those commitments. Of course, Alpha is a great tool which God has used in many places and many nations. And it's one of the ways, and it's a way that we're investing a lot of time and energy into, uh, that we are um, committed to to using to invite people to come to hear about the Christian faith and hopefully encounter Jesus in a life-changing way. It's non-confrontational, and it invites people to experience Christian hospitality and community as well as the gospel. God's used it in our church over the years to bring people to Christ. And you know, who knows where a simple invitation along to the Alpha dinner next week will lead. Who knows? God does. As you can see from the missional process diagram, we have various things that we do as a church which we see at various stages of this cycle. We were very blessed last year to have Nick McLennan and a team from Maharangi Presbyterian Church in Walkworth come and share with us about their church's missional life and about 40 people from the church came to hear them. And Nick shared on a very practical level that for them, mission had to do with two things. Spiritual vitality in the congregation and compassion for the community. And we're focused on that process, and in the plan you can see that uh, you know that those goals for spiritual vitality of growth uh, are there. That what we want to seek for ourselves as a church, and also of a genuine desire to minister to all ages and move out into the community. Because we share Christ's compassion for the city. And I've specifically used a diagram. Uh, a, a, an image and I, it's not one of mine I had to go online and buy it uh, that, that uh, uh, to, along with this plan and process that has three unfurling koru because we have a commitment to seeing this new life and growth happen at all three of our sites you know, and it's quite amazing just to see little growth tips You know, little things that I actually think give hope, great hope, at all three sites, and that's great. In the past two weeks, there has been something new on the city skyline. Something that has caught my attention and has given me hope. And no, it's not the cupola on top of the Hunter Vossa Art Museum down on the waterfront. However, as a photographer, I do find it quite fascinating. And as a bird photographer, I do wonder how the local uh, bird life will impact on its gold leaf coverings. <laughs> <laughs> but as my eye was drawn to, the, to this uh, thing, right next to it, there is a new flag flying over our city. It's a flag that Huntavasa designed and suggested should be our secondary national flag. It's a koru. It's a koru. And I was drawn to it because I was preparing for this message today. And I thought it was appropriate that as we're looking at this unfurling koru as our missional process at Hope Array, that the flag uh, with its representation of new life and spiritual growth should be flying over our city. Maybe it's just a little sign from God that he's with us as he promised he would be as God sends us out to be his people. Amen? All right. Well, one of the things that you'll notice as you go out and listen to the city is the growing importance of maridom and the use of te now And I was very blessed that Charlotte came and saw me after last week's service, where we used Edwin Orr's uh, revival hymn, Search Me, O God, which was set to that well-known tune, Now is the Hour. And Charlotte said she loved that tune and remembered that song from her childhood in in Te Rio. And any time I wanted her to sing uh, and, and bring a waiata, she'd love to do it. So I want to finish this message, this korero today, by inviting Charlotte to come and join me, and we're going to sing a waiata. Inviting God to hear us, and God to see us, and saying that we are together and we love God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. (laughs) Charlotte will sing and I'll try and join in. And if you know the words, they're on the thing here, join in as well. Charlotte burnt her fingers before. lead us as a congregation to respond in song.